turns out I'm into it. Into it. Hey, hey, friends, it is Harley Rabbit here. Welcome back to another episode of Turns Out I'm Into It, the show helping you discover your kinky self and live your best sex life. There are many things in life that we wish would happen quickly, whether that's the three minute planking part of your workout or waiting for the microwave countdown timer or the last hour of the workday when your partner has just texted you an eggplant emoji. Some things are better when they happen quickly. Unfortunately, for most of us, sex isn't one of them. In today's episode, we are talking about premature ejaculation, what it is, and most importantly, what you can do about it. I was lucky enough to have an anonymous guest offer to be on the show today and share his honest experiences with PE. As much as this isn't the sexiest topic that we've had on the show, it certainly is an important one. PE is something that affects hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. It's frustrating, it can be embarrassing, and it's very rarely talked about. Of course, I've got to do a disclaimer here, neither my guest or myself are doctors, and this episode is not intended as medical advice. It's more about normalising a very common sexual health issue, while also giving some hope that there are options available. And we encourage you to discuss those options with your doctor. Before we jump into that, I have a couple of announcements Firstly, I want to say a huge thank you to you guys. I just logged on to Spotify and I saw that this podcast now has a four star rating and it has been rated by over 40 people. That is a huge difference. Last time I looked, I think it was at 2.8 stars. So I really appreciate everyone that's taken the time to rate this show. It honestly makes a huge difference. If you haven't given me a rating yet, please do on whatever platform you're listening on right now, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, Every time I get a positive star rating for the show, it means the algorithm thinks it's good and it will show it to more people. So if you think this podcast is worth people finding, then that's something you can do to help that happen. Secondly, if you would like to stay in touch with me throughout the week, um, I have just started up a new Instagram account. For those of you who don't know, my last Instagram account got banned after about three days. I'm still not even sure why. They told me it was for sexual solicitation, but I don't really understand how I was sexually soliciting anyone. Anyway, I, on this account, am trying to be on my absolute best behavior. Um, But if you'd like to stay in touch with me, message me, see what I'm up to through the day, um, this account will be, of course, my more vanilla life. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to follow me over there, my handle is at Harley Rabbit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. Into it. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Turns Out I'm Into It. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say a big thank you for coming on this show today to talk about a issue that is affecting thousands of people. Um, and that is premature ejaculation or PE, which we'll probably refer to it as in this podcast. Um, So PE is something that is affecting so many people around the world. um, And unfortunately, due to the stigma and shame around it, it's really difficult for people to talk about it um, and to reach out for help or to even know if there's help available. So I think having a conversation like this is really important. um, And I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your personal story with us. So Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So first of all, what is premature ejaculation? I think in general, it depends on who is defining it. But generally, it's when you, when a guy comes too fast to, for either themselves or for their partner. Now, that's quite subjective. Um, mm. Some guidelines would say if it's regularly less than a minute or two, um, then then that can be classified as as being premature. Sometimes it's a lifelong thing, which means that it's happened right from the get-go, from, from the very first time that they're a virgin, um, you know, all the way throughout their life. Other times it might be something that comes on later on in life, and other times it's something that's sort of variable and it's sort of inconsistent that you have good days and you have bad days. 
Right. Okay. So, yeah, it sounds like there's very different ways that this can affect people. Um, you mentioned that it's quite subjective there, which is interesting because I I wonder if um, some sometimes people might think that they're premature, but they're actually quite average. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, I, I've, I've heard people discussing conversations and they might, might be like, oh, you know, the guy only lasted five minutes. And I'm sitting there going, oh, five minutes. Oh, that's not bad. But, <laughs> but you know, to the people that, that are having that conversation, they're sort of complaining about it. But um, I did actually find a study that looked at five countries from 2019. Mm. And they found that the average time in the UK and USA was 11 to 12 minutes. Okay. But in Spain and Turkey, it was five to six minutes and around, and in the Netherlands, it was nine minutes. But overall, 6% were less than two minutes regularly and 2.5% were less than a minute regularly. Wow. So this to me sounds like um, something that it's really kind of up to you whether it, like I would say maybe is it only premature ejaculation as an issue if it, is an issue for you and your partner. Like for some couples, five minutes might be plenty. Um, But for other couples, they might want it to last longer too. Yeah, I think so. And also like whether it brings you stress and anxiety, you know, associated with the bed. But yeah, I think think it really is personal. But 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 as I mentioned, I think, um, you know, a lot of more clinical guidelines sort of refer to regularly less than a minute or two minutes. Okay. Is being premature, but... Yeah, psychologically, there's that subjective element there too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that that's a helpful kind of guideline, I guess. All right. So one of the main things I want to talk to you about is your personal experience with this issue and um, how that's affected your relationships and your confidence. Um, mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit about what it's been like for you? Oh, what it's been like. Um, hmm. I guess... It is something that probably caused me a bit of anxiety from the get-go, you know, since I, since I was a teenager and then probably for, for easy, easily around about 10 years after I first started having sex. Okay. 10 years, did you say? Yeah, at, at, at least. It's a bit more intermittent now, but I guess probably more of a consistent, extremely regular issue. For, yep. for about 10 years. You know, when I was a teenager, I had my suspicions that it was going to be difficult. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't start having sex until I was 17, but I remember at 15, like, just, you know, hooking up with my girlfriend at the time and, you know, clothes on, but already had blown my load. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you I think know, that's pretty so, normal. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I, I didn't know if it was normal or not, but, you know, right. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's going to, I suspected that it would be normal, but I mm-hmm. wasn't sure what it was going to be like when I actually do see a girl naked the first time we do start to have yeah, have sex. And then I guess that, you know, at 17, that, that was my, my first time. But um, the very first time that I actually got it in wasn't until the fourth separate day that we had tried to have sex because the first three days that that we had tried um it was all over before we even got there <laughs> so, um oh. so like you know like anybody that's seen american pie with with uh, jim and nadia when they're on the yep. webcam you know i think i think that, that would give a pretty good visualization of um <laughs> of how it was like you know and then um yeah and then, and then after that it was sort of like all right, okay, put it in, I mean, and then just, like, try to get used to holding on and you're like, you know, and, and, and you think it might get better and you think it might get better and then you're like, shit, years gone by and you're still the same. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you're hearing about everybody else at school and, and at uni and, and, and how long they're going for and you're like, how, how the fuck did they do that? You know, it's yeah. just like, normally it's like you put it in and you hold for dear life. <laughs> Um, but, <laughs> but you, you know, and then you hear about other people like spending ages and you're just like, oh, right. Mm. So you're already like, you're making those comparisons there. Um, and that shame is starting as you're comparing yourself to your, your friends who might be lying by the way. 
<laughs> like they might be exaggerating about how great their sex life is when they're, especially at that age. Yeah, you, you hear the stories or you hear people talking about their experiences with other people and then you're automatically comparing to that, you know, mm-hmm. you're comparing to movies, you're comparing to porn, you know, mm. you're comparing to, to you know, uh, you have new partners and you're getting compared to their exes. Um, yeah. You know, and you're just like, okay, so your ex lasted 20 minutes. Well, that, that ain't going to happen. And you know that it's not going to happen before you've even started. So I guess it like creates a lot of anxiety around Huge that Huge pressure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I, I guess as, as well, like as you're getting older and um, your partner's are getting older as well, so they've had more experience, um, the likeliness of them being able to compare you to exes is going to be higher. Um, I can imagine that would be really difficult and, and, as you say, create a lot of anxiety, which there already is a lot of anxiety about going to bed, right? Totally, totally. I mean, like, I, I, I remember, you know, um, maybe maybe like three years ago, um, for example, of you know, the first time you're with this girl and then afterwards they're like, so you're a virgin, aren't you? You know, is, is, is the question that they ask you. Oh. Or, or, or otherwise it might be like, um, you know, you're dating someone and then afterwards they decide they don't want to, you know, after you've had your first encounter, they're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we should just carry on our own separate ways. And, you, you know, and you can tell by the tone of the room afterwards that, that, that that's like a deal breaker for them. Or otherwise, some of them are like, you know, some people that you've dated would be like, oh, this is only something that I can deal with for like a couple of months after that. It better be improving. Right. You know, you're like, well, yeah. you know, if you've got years of it like that, you you know full well that it's not going to improve within a couple of months. It's not just something that you can just like just yeah. get rid of straight away. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you could fix it, you would. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. That's right. That, yeah. That's right. You know, and, and, and that's also, you know, it's a bit complicated. It's going to come down to whatever's caused it as well. Mm. So, yeah. well, we'll get into that in a minute. I just thought um, since you mentioned partners, um, this might be a good chance to explore that a little bit. Um, mm. Because as much as having a partner shame you for something that is out of your control, um, I think it's also important to recognise that it is difficult for a partner of someone who's struggling with PE because they're not getting their needs met or they're feeling frustrated or not fulfilled. Um, mm. And I think some people deal with that differently. I think some people get angry and, and as you say, compare you to exes and um, get quite shaming, which is not not very nice. Um but I know, like, for, from personal experience, I've got some experience in this, um, with this issue with an ex of mine, used to struggle with it. Um, and I I pride myself on being a, a kind and patient person and I understand that this is not something that you are doing on purpose and you don't have control over it. Um, but it's also very frustrating for both of you, for both people in this relationship and... Yeah, I think in in my case, my partner at the time was not very proactive about trying to do anything about it. Um, it just wasn't discussed. And I don't know if that was because he felt too ashamed he couldn't talk about it um, or it, it, or if he just didn't really care, which is how it felt at the time, but that mightn't have been true. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's important to recognise that this is a, an issue that affects both people in a relationship and to both do your best to communicate and try and not to take your frustrations out on each other, but also not dismiss how you're feeling because that's important too. Otherwise, if you just keep shutting it down and being like, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine, you're going to build up that resentment there. Like it is a real issue and it is something that you do need to talk about. Absolutely. You know, and it made me think of like I guess like a relationship that I was in for about for just over three years, I mean, for the last two years of that, we didn't, we didn't have a sex life. You mm. know, it was just because it becomes too frustrating, you know, after a while to sort of, you know, you can, you can do other things, but I guess the, the actual intercourse part 
not having that or not having much of that can be quite frustrating, not for the person that doesn't last, but also for the person that's that's on the receiving end, you know, and I guess just avoiding sex altogether is one way that you can just uh. avoid having that frustrating part, even when the rest of your relationship seems okay, you know. Yeah. So it can certainly take that aspect out of it. And, and then also change the dynamic of the relationship a bit. You know, you sort of start to become more like friends if you're mm. not having sex rather than rather than rather lovers or whatever. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I'm curious in that relationship that you're referring to, did you guys talk about this issue much or was it sort of all unsaid? Um, yeah, we, we talked about it, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so there was some communication there. Yeah, there was. But, you know, we sort of felt like there wasn't a heck of a lot that we could do about it, you know. Like, okay. like I, I, I went to a GP at the time and, <laughs> they, you know, they were pretty useless. Like, yeah. they didn't really have anything to say. They're just like, oh, you know, it's just because you're young, the more you do it, the more you're used to it or whatever it might be. Um, just try practice, and I'm like, well, what am I trying to practice? Like, you know, it's not, you know, like they're not, not, not very helpful. So when you go mm-hmm. home, you're just like, you try all different things, you Google around, you're like, oh, okay. So, like, one trick is, you know, when you're due to come, is to like hold the base of your penis and squeeze it. You know, okay. so 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 we we tried things like that. Yeah, doesn't work. Okay. We tried things like, um, you know, like don't touch it before it goes in. So like. The foreplay is going to be one way. Um, you know, again, doesn't work. I was going to say, um, that'll still be very stimulating for you. Like if you're giving foreplay to your partner, that's still going to be really turning you on. It almost is worse. Like you're building that anticipation then. Exactly. But you yeah. still want to do the foreplay because you still want to be able to please your partner. Of course. But, yeah. You know, yeah. but at the same time, they're still getting you excited. I mean, you've still got, you know, your naked partner in front of you. I mean, mm-hmm. in your mind, you're already losing your mind. Like, <laughs> let alone, <laughs> yeah. let alone seeing them get excited because because you don't foreplay. Um, like desensitizing sprays. I mean, again, it's they're a gimmick that's sold by sex stores, but they don't they don't, they don't work. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe they might for some, but did nothing for me. I mean, it was a waste of forty bucks. Wow. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So were you able to find anything that did help? Um, yeah. So I think it's going to differ depending on the person and what's causing it. But I think physio helps. So so like pel- doing, doing pelvic floor exercises. And I remember that there's, um, you know, there's actually some growing studies supporting the idea too that you can use physio to sort of help train those pelvic floor muscles to sort of help control when you turn them on and off um, oh, and yeah. practicing your breathing around that as well. Um, yeah. That can I... help to an extent. Is, um, is that something you would with... go and see a physio about or is that something you can find on YouTube, for example? You probably could find it on YouTube, but I did go see a physio okay. yeah. um, and, and got some ideas on what I could do great yeah <laughs> I, I should just point out not all physios do this you've actually got to go find ones that specialize in sexual health okay. so if you look for ones that like um treat incontinence or otherwise um all those sorts of yeah types of things you know there are physios that, that have specializations in that area but then you know they're not too common like you know i had to drive a couple of hours to to another city to see one yeah. Um, and just get some ideas. But it is worth it. Um, I think trying to be, how to put it, um, there certainly is a psychological element there in trying to be mindful with your breathing. Okay. But that is a really tricky balance because sometimes you can, you know, it's like when you tell yourself to stop thinking about something. <laughs> And then you do start yeah. thinking about it more and then it only makes it worse. So yeah. yeah. It's a sure way to get obsessed with something. Yeah. It is. It is. It's a sure way. And then sometimes it can go the opposite way where it makes it worse. And then other times it's, it's better. So, you know, I guess if you can work on breathing, that helps. But I think the thing that 
probably is the most effective would be using SSRIs. So they're a form of antidepressant. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, depending on which ones you take, um, they take a lot of the sensation away. Some of them can make it almost completely numb. Mm. Now, that is the pro in that it gives you the chance to be able to last and then develop better breathing patterns and associations with sex. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you probably can't feel much either. And then when you come off oh, the wow. SSRI, yeah, because it's completely numb, it's, you know, like, like um, I had one that sort of just felt like I had kind of had pins and needles. So, but wow. obviously not all SSRIs are like that, but you can, you know, you can, you can swap around, but, but one of the side effects of a lot of SSRIs is delayed orgasm or inability to orgasm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's usually a, um, a negative side effect of, of taking antidepressants, but um, it's really interesting that you can use SSRIs for that. Like that's the desired effect to slow you down and, and not be as sensitive, but it sounds like it's a, a real balance between um, finding the right one. Cause if it's too much, then you're not going to, if it, if it's desensitized you to the point where you're numb, that's probably not going to be good either. That's right. And then you just don't enjoy it at all. So, I mean, you do yeah. probably have to shop around them maybe. And, you know, there's also the question of, okay, well, how long do you want to be on them for? I know that there is a relatively new SSRI that is designed for guys with premature ejaculation in mind, where they oh, take wow. it not long before they're going to have sex or that day, if they know that they're going to. And you sort of use it a bit like the equivalent of Viagra for guys that can't get it up, but it's like, you know, it, it, it's basically oh. a really high SSRI that you take on that day to help. So to it's help not something you up. take every day? like No, it's not something you just take every day. Um, some of them you can take every day, but for that one there, that is designed not for depression, but is for PE. Wow. Um, do you know the name of that, just out of curiosity? Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just going to add a um, disclaimer here while you're looking for that, that neither of us are medical doctors and this is something oh, no, um, yeah, talk to your doctor, yeah. definitely talk to your doctor about but at least you'll you might have something that you can ask them about specifically rather than just getting this generic advice of um as you mentioned you'll grow out of it or I know when I I went to a doctor um with my ex about it they just said use a condom um which didn't didn't work at all and that was the only thing they really offered us so which I think if you've gotten to the point where you're going to see a doctor about it, like that can be really difficult. And then to get such a like dismissive response or like not proper help, I think that can leave people feeling really disheartened. So yeah, it's good to know that what options are available. And if your doctor doesn't know about it, they can look into it for you. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly like the doctor that I went to as well, I mean, at the time, I mean, they said the same thing, you know, use condoms or or just use the thicker condoms that there's ones there for like, you know, the ones that say for extra protection, you know, generally they're thicker, so it should reduce the sensation, which does to a point, it can help a little bit, but not hugely. I don't, I don't know what it was like with your case with the guy that you were with, but I, I found it helped slightly, but not hugely. It wasn't adding on like 10, 20 minutes or anything like that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so sorry, the name of the SSRI that has been developed um, for premature ejaculation is called dipoxetine. And apparently it is absorbed within one to three hours. Wow. Yeah, so you can take it a couple of hours before you're going to have sex. I mean, obviously you might want to think, oh, am I going, you know, it involves some planning. Yep. So if you want to have spontaneous sex, it's probably not something that's going to be very helpful if it sort of comes out of nowhere. But I don't know, maybe if you're going to go on a hot date and you suspect something <laughs> might progress later on in the night. And you want to make a good impression, then maybe maybe you could use it for that. Absolutely, I'll I'll put a um a link to that in the show notes if anyone's interested, just so you can get the spelling. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Maybe do spell it out. That might be just in case people can't access the show notes for some reason. Yeah, so it's called dipoxetine. So D A P O X E T I N E. All right, excellent. Just a quick word from our sponsor, harleyrabbit.com, and we'll get right back to this episode.
Oh, hey, baby. You want to come join me? Mm, hello. <laughs> We're all naked. You want to help wash me, baby? Yeah. Here's the soap. Mm. I want you to put your hands on my body. Mm. Listen to the rest of this audio story, Shower With Your Girlfriend, at harleyrabbit.com. Use the code INTOIT at the checkout for 25% off and see where the rabbit hole takes you. Um, before we jump off this particular topic, you mentioned uh, that the, there is a psychological component to this um, and that that had maybe been helpful at times um I'm just wanting to ask more specifically about what you mean there is it about your like your brain thinking about how hot and sexy this is and that's really turning you on and then that gets things going too quickly and therefore if you can try and think about something else or calm that down it might delay that ejaculation is that what you were meaning then or are you meaning something different yeah yeah and I think also general anxiety around sex so like right you know you might have heard the analogy that you know you're driving down the road and a bunny rabbit jumps out and then you freak out you're like oh my god I'm gonna hit the bunny rabbit you know yeah chances are if you're sitting there thinking about it, you probably are going to hit the bunny <laughs> rabbit rather than it's sort of like mediating your attention but you know, like on the psychological thing, I think it really, I certainly wouldn't go as far to say that the psychological aspect is a cause for everybody. I think it plays an influence Mm -hmm. along with maybe physiology. Um, You know, like I'm not overly sure on the causes because I think it does change quite a bit with a lot of people. Um, I think on the psychological aspect, I think there's conditioning there as well. You know, some people can pat their head and rub their tummy at the same time and other people sort of can't and there's kind of like a like a learning there to sort of dissociate the two actions so that you can control one but not the other. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I, I mean, I sort of think of it as, as a bit like that. It's kind of like a like an ingrained conditioning. Um, you know, I, I, I heard another analogy once which which I think is quite useful in psychological aspects, but I think maybe probably useful here too, where, you know, imagine a forest that's untouched. You know, you go for a walk through the bush and as you walk through the bush, you start to break yourself a pathway. And then the more and more you walk through that bush, the more that pathway becomes broken down and eventually it's so trodden down that it's a clear pathway and then eventually it's a road. Mm. You know, it's something that becomes more ingrained and I think the anxiety can speed up that ingraining aspect yep so like I don't know what it was that necessarily caused it for me I mean like 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 I mentioned like you know when I was 15 I mean kissing my girlfriend at the time hooking up and and yeah um you know finishing through my boxes it's like (laughs) I guess that was maybe normal, maybe not. I I don't know, but but I do remember the first time that I had sex, like I was pretty pretty nervous. I mean, the first time that I tried to have sex was also the first time that that I had seen a girl naked, and mm. and it was I think it was the first time that that, that that she had seen me naked, and 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 the first time I I pulled my pants down, like I thought I, I thought she might be excited, but then she frowned, and then. Later on, she like asked if I was still growing and hoped that I had another five centimeters. Oh, you know, because oh. yeah, and 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 like I mean, I guess in comparison to the ex that she had seen, mm. I was smaller than her. So for her, that was maybe a letdown. But I guess that then caused me to have some anxiety. Like it pushed my anxiety through the roof. Absolutely. Yeah. So of course then when I get close to touching her or doing anything, I mean, I was already anxious about about that, let alone let alone thinking about whether I'm lasting. And then it just I don't know, I feel like maybe the anxiety is probably coupled together and then you could build a bad association. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
Especially that being your first experience too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's a good reminder for all of us to be really mindful about the way we react to our partners. Like if you do have a a negative reaction, maybe try and just be kind, (laughs) you know, don't, because that, it can leave these huge scars in people. Um, That's terrible. I'm, I'm really sorry that that was your first experience. No, like it's, you know, like it's something that I've sort of come to terms with and laugh now, but I guess I remember, yeah. you know, being that nervous teenager at the time, you know, yeah. hearing that your girlfriend wishes that it was like another five centimetres longer. I mean, that's not a small amount extra. No. <laughs> no. And, and it even got to the point that she actually even bought me a penis pump a few months later. Wow. Because, because she wanted it to grow longer. Um, you know, so I guess like, you know, you can imagine that, anxiety that that came with that but at the same time you know like I mentioned like the psychological aspects Mm -hmm. you know I think there might be some physiological things because I only recently found out that I've got ADHD and I found a study that that found that apparently almost half of guys with ADHD have long-lasting premature ejaculation problems wow so almost 50 percent so um well Others that that might not have PE, they might struggle to finish it all or even stay hard. So they can be at the either end of the spectrum. And mm-hmm. again, like I don't know what the exact mechanism is there, but but you know, in general with ADHD, you've got this difficulty with regulating attention. Sometimes you can hyper focus on things and get really into it. So if your mm-hmm. hyper focus has got some sort of anxiety involved, or maybe you just hyper focus on, hey, like the woman's body. And you're getting like extremely turned on or maybe your mind is absent and going elsewhere for guys that maybe struggle to get hard or struggle to last you know it could be that they're struggling to put their attention to the sex and their mind is thinking about different things you know like yeah it's, it's a difficulty of regulating attention and finding that balance in the middle yeah so guys with ADHD do tend to be either one ex- one extreme or the other and maybe even flip between them. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all that there's a correlation there. I think psychology is so so relevant to sex and and um I didn't want to use the word sexual performance, but I can't think of a better one right now. Um the yeah. way we enjoy it or how aroused we are, like that a lot of that happens in the brain. <laughs> totally. And being able to read your partner as well, you know, like if you're really like this, this is the other part of it, you know, like as if you're really wrapped up in the anxiety or you're thinking about, is it going to last? And you're worried about, you know, your focus is trying to, to last. Mm-hmm. Your focus has not been on your partner and learning and observing them and finding out what do they like, what don't they like. So okay. it makes it quite hard because you can't immerse yourself in your partner to learn what they like because your mind is trying to concentrate on something else, you know. Yeah. So it's an epic complexity there too, you know, whereas maybe if you weren't focusing on trying to last, you know, you could learn the cues as to what things your partner likes and what they don't like. I had not have thought of that at all, but that <laughs> that definitely makes yeah. sense. And on the ADHD side, I suspect that there's probably other, I don't know what other sort of, physiological or other sort of psychological conditions out there with associations with it but you know I'm sure that there are others I don't want to to be like you know for people to think oh they're a premature ejector they must also have ADHD you always go explore it with your doctor or psychologist or whoever you know yeah I think that's an important point to make um yeah and if you are diagnosed with ADHD doesn't necessarily mean that you'll struggle with this specific issue but um there could be a crossover I guess yeah, exactly. Like I said, some of the some some guys with they don't have any problem at all, and some guys with ADHD can go for a really long time, which is I don't know, yeah. probably has its pros and cons too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if with you were talking about the SSRIs there, if that even if it did really desensitize you for a while, but if you were able to then experience sex and not have to be so concerned about um, coming too early, would that help to build your confidence um, that in a way that if you no longer took them, you would feel more confident and and maybe it would reduce the psychological impact of this? Or 
if you or is it that if you stop taking them all that comes back anyway no i think it can definitely help you help you to build better associations and i think that that's probably what we should be using them for is like a band-aid to help us sort of get better sort of psychological associations with sex yeah that yeah. said even if the psychological aspects are better that doesn't necessarily mean that the PE is going to go away when you come off the SSRI and remain away. Right. It, it can still come back, maybe it'll be more intermittent, maybe it will be better, but hopefully you're going to have some better associations with it that you're not having that anxiety and make it even worse. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So outside of these kind of treatments that you've mentioned, is there anything else that can be done to help people experiencing premature ejaculation? Is there anything um, that they can do or perhaps their partners can do? Look, I think, I think, you know, I think if it was something that was normalised, it would, it would be nice, but I don't see that happening. You know, like, like it's not something that we talk about. And understandable, you know, people want to have a decent sex life. I think that, that you know, that's also biological too. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think if it's, you know, with your partner, you know, like if it's your partner that that's coming too soon. I think one of the things is probably definitely mention it. Like I think I think it is definitely good to have that communication because not saying something can lead to the other person also worrying about it. Like if I'm with someone, for example, and they don't mention it, you know, it's like, well, I'm well aware that it was over quickly. And then if it's not mentioned, then you could be sitting there thinking what the other person is thinking yeah versus not feeling like whether it's an issue or not so i think i think definitely keep those open lines of communication is good okay but i think the thing is like just don't be angry about it like don't don't slap the guy because you know you feel like they used it or something like that i mean like like we, we might laugh but but it happens right <laughs> you know because because that's only going to fuel that anxiety you know it's that vicious cycle of that anxiety mm. um so I think definitely have the conversations, but, you know, try and keep them lighthearted. Or at least for me anyway. I mean, I, I don't know what other guys are like. I can't speak for them. But for me, you know, I prefer conversations like that to be lighthearted. And I would much rather my partner and I have a good laugh about it rather than yeah. rather than being angry about it. You know, like, like I guess laughing but supportive, if that sort of makes sense. Like Yeah, you're not laughing like, the person but trying to make light of the situation or or not take it too exactly. seriously yeah yeah um the other thing too was also just like communication um like like for example like you know i think girlfriends when they've been on top you know and when they're on top i guess they've got more control over it you know so when they're going you know i might sort of like tap them on the hip or the waist or something like that when I'm like getting really close and yeah sure it might only be 10 20 seconds into it yeah but and but you know I find that just like a sort of gentle tap so that they can slow down or stop you know as, as a way to communicate because often I find that if it's you know if I'm close to finishing it might be a bit hard to get my words out yeah but I yeah. find just like a, like a like a little tap could be could be fine and then they know what that means and either they can either decide just to keep going with what they're doing if they're happy for it to be over, or they can just stop and sit sit still, like really still for a bit. Yeah. yeah you know, just take a few breaths. Don't move. <laughs> take a few breaths, and then maybe we can try and carry on. Yeah. Um, Nonverbal communication, I think, is really helpful. Yeah. Or otherwise, other things like a cue, you know, like um, it might be simply, you know, like although we mentioned before that condoms aren't great they still can help a little bit, you know, yeah. and it's like if the girl's saying, look, you know, if the girl's feeling like that they do want the guy to last even just a little bit longer that day, they could be like, hey, can you put a condom on today? You know, and, I, and, I've, and I've certainly had that, and you know that that means that your girlfriend's hoping that they're going to get a little bit extra, you know. Yeah. Another 10, 20, 30 seconds than normal. Um, so, yeah, just put a condom on and don't worry about it. And the other thing too is also be comfortable with using toys in the bedroom. Like I, I was know, just about to ask about that. Yeah. Well, like I know some guys. Maybe it's an inferiority complex with toys or dildos or something like that. You know, and they don't like it. Like some guys 
I don't quite understand, but don't don't quite like when their girls are mm. using toys in the bedroom. But I reckon embrace it. Like absolutely, toys are a lot of fun. Have some more fun with it because it's yeah. not inducing sensation to you, but it's something that you know you can try with the girl and have some fun with it. You know, get the girls off beforehand, or or if you have sex and then you finish but they still need to keep going and they still want penetration as well because they don't necessarily always want just just clitoris. They yeah. just use a dildo. And you know what? If the dildo's bigger than you, don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Like, enjoy your girlfriend getting off. Yeah, well, it's essentially... You know, like, like, get used to it, you know? It's it's essentially a, a prop just as much as a yeah. blindfold or a pair of handcuffs. Like, it's you are both having this experience together and sharing that between each other um but you're just using uh, other props to enhance that experience exactly and if you're using the dildo on her while she's sort of just you know laying back and enjoying it's not like she's just masturbating on your own you're completely separate and you feel cuckolded to the to the dildo <laughs> right you know yeah. you are the one actually using the dildo yeah yeah yes it's not your penis but it's a fake penis and hopefully it's a good penis and hopefully <laughs> she'll enjoy it <laughs> Um, while you were talking just before, I, we're almost out of time, so I'll try and make this quick, but, um, do you find that you're able to go again? Like if you do come quite quickly, is it possible to, you know, wait half an hour and have a, have another go or is it same, same story? Cause I know that sometimes we're less sensitive if we try and go again. Um, but that can be difficult for some people. Yeah. Look, I, Personally, yeah, look, I generally can go again and like, it might not even be wait half an hour. Like some, sometimes I just hold it in and just keep going for a second round. Yeah, okay. You know, and, yeah. It might, and, and, and it might be another 30 seconds or a minute after that. But, hey, you put the time together and then you've got a couple of minutes. You know? Yeah, yeah. You can. Yeah, you can. I mean, I, obviously I don't know what other guys' recharge is like. But for me, yeah, I mean, I, I find I can recharge just fine and just – hold it in and keep going and sometimes it might be three or four times that you might do it you know yeah well look personally I'm just thinking from from my perspective um I don't know when the when the guy comes that's kind of a big highlight uh so the having the opportunity to do that multiple times in in one session sounds like it could be a positive you know you can turn this into a positive yeah exactly and sometimes like you mentioned sometimes the second time round can make it you know, you can last longer and other times it can still be quite quick because sometimes you still could be quite sensitive. Yeah, yeah. It's probably going to depend on the guy, but even still, yes, you know, if you can can do like three 30-second sessions, you get a minute and a half, it's better than just straight up 30 seconds. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and if you you add some toys... Add some toys in there. Um, exactly. Try again. You know, you can do some toys and if you find that, you know, you need to come again after using the dildo, well, cool, pull the dildo out, you back in there for, yeah. for a little bit. But anything to come probably just adds a bit more lube to the dildo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but I, I'm not sure what the recharge is like for other guys that finish quickly because I haven't really talked to many. I, I actually don't think I've ever talked to any other guy that's that's talked about it. You know, yeah, like it's wow. just something that's not talked about. So I I really have no clue, you know, like I think girls have probably got a better idea of that from guys that they might have been with when they've been. Yeah. You know, like if a girl's been with multiple guys that have been quick, they're probably going to maybe know what guys' recharges are like. But Yeah, you've only really got like, your own experience, haven't you? <laughs> I've only got my own experience, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that goes to show like, um, as you say, this is just something that isn't talked about and – that can make it really difficult because we just don't know what normal is we, and we're comparing ourselves often to to porn or to other people's inflated, exaggerated stories um, and that's just not really realistic. Um, you did mention uh, earlier in this conversation that one of the things that could help would be to, to normalise this a little more. I mean, making it feel completely normal might be unlikely, at least at the moment, but... Um, to have more conversations like this, I think is helpful. Um, but I did forget to ask you at the start, do you know how common premature ejaculation is? Do you have any statistics on that? Well, you know, as I mentioned at the start, it is subjective. Some estimates suggest that it could be as high as 
20 to 30 percent keep in mind that it's that subjective interpretation that it might come at some and then that 20 30 percent is that they might have a period in their life you know it might be a six-month period or something like that where they do struggle with it at some point yeah um that's a very high number (laughs) if you put that across the population that is really high but if we look at that that five nation study that said 6.1% of those that were timed were less than two minutes. So you can say 6% roughly is probably like, if you're looking at the more clinical or two and a half percent is less than a minute. So maybe 2.5-3% less than a minute. Yeah. Those numbers might sound quite low, but if you put that across, you know, a population of how many, how many million are in your country, like that's a lot of people. So I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is for people not to feel alone. This is, a really common issue affecting a lot of people. All right, I think I might wrap it up here. The last thing I wanted to ask you was you mentioned that this is something that obviously affected you a lot um, when you first started having sex and for that initial 10-year period afterwards. But you sort of alluded to the fact that things have gotten better or you've had sort of intermittent times where this was not so much of a problem. Um. I don't know. I just would love to finish on giving people some hope that this, if they are struggling with this, it might not be always and forever. You know, there might be times where you're going much better. There might be times where you relapse and that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, it can be variable after that, you know, and as I mentioned, like, you know, if you're on SSRIs, you're going to have a good period and sometimes you can have good periods and sometimes you can't. Like, I mean, I've, recently come off an SSRI and yeah, look, I noticed that there's a lot more sensation. It was a lot harder to hold. Mm. Um, but I have been able to use that period of being on SSRIs to help reframe my anxiety around it as well. Yeah. So although I've come off it, the anxiety part that is provoking it or stirring the pot, you know, mm. I've been able to drop that down completely. Yeah. That's great, yeah. Which is useful in trying to then manage it going forward, you know. So you can then have good days and bad days. and Yeah, yeah that makes so, sense. Yeah, it's, it's not like once you've got it, that's you forever. Exactly. Yeah. And as you mentioned, there are things that – there's things out there. That the physio you mentioned was helpful. Um, yep. The SSRIs definitely um, – Using toys. Psychologists or sex therapists if you want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. All of these things are options out there and um, they're going to affect different people differently. So, And the other thing I should point out on that too is, you know, you might read things online or maybe even hear from doctors that for guys that are like less than a minute that have been quick since their very first encounter or nearly, you know, right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will say that that is going to be lifelong premature ejaculation, but I don't, from my experience, I don't think that's true. You know, I think that there can be multiple things going on which might cause you to be quick in the get-go, which can get better with time. I don't think that just because you're quick ever since you're a virgin, that that, that is you until the day you die, you know? yeah. Although you might read things that call it lifelong, it doesn't necessarily mean it will be lifelong. It might be something that comes intermittently throughout your life, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be that you're always going to be quick lifelong. I mean, that, that's from my experience. Although you might read that online. <laughs> yeah. So don't be yeah. don't be too disheartened <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, we yeah. we do change and grow enormously over our lifetime. So I would be, um, you know, very surprised that if if this didn't change at all over the course of someone's life exactly yeah especially with those psychological factors in there as well and physiological like our bodies change so much as we get older exactly but also with the physiological you know you might not know what the problem might be at that early age but if you find out later on in life then maybe you would find that the fix to the problem i I don't know exactly exactly yeah you learn more about yourself um, as you go along with more experience all right, that um, I can't believe we're nearly at an hour already. That went so quickly. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having this chat. 
I think this is really important information and I know that even just statistically speaking, um, there will be people listening that are struggling with this exact these exact challenges. So it's really, really cool of you to be stepping up and, and sharing your story on something that is tricky to talk about. I think it it's going to make a difference. So really appreciate your time today. No worries. And um, I had a little chuckle before and I do have to ask, was that pun intended where you said, oh, this went really quickly? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was really conscious to not make any of those puns, but I, one slipped in. <laughs> All right. On that note, um, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Till next time, play safe, have fun, and I will catch you soon. Bye. Hey friends, it is Editor Harley here. Um, After we recorded this conversation, my guest actually linked me to a resource that I think might be useful. So it's a discreet online men's health service based in Australia Um, where you can speak with an informed doctor about getting a prescription. So if your current GP is not really up to date with all this stuff, or maybe you feel a bit embarrassed about talking to someone face-to-face, this is an online service that you can utilize and actually speak to a doctor about it. As I mentioned, this is an Australian service. So if you're not in Australia, maybe do some Googling because there might be an equivalent in your country. All right, the website is called Pilot dot com dot au that's pilot p-i-l-o-t dot com dot au and i'll put a link to that in the show notes okay bye turns out i'm into it into it into it thanks for listening to turns out i'm into it if you've enjoyed this episode please remember to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review this will help other people just like you to find this podcast If you have any comments or questions, you can reach out to me on FetLife or through the Harley Rabbit website. My name on Fet is Harley Rabbit, all one word, or you can message me direct through the website. Go to harleyrabbit.com forward slash podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. I will be back soon with another episode exploring the wonderful world of kink. Bye.